Last week's mob intrusion into the Capitol building was terrible. And um, just like with the events of 9-11 and really every crisis, it's being used to leverage policies and actions that threaten our liberties. Censorship and deplatforming are dramatically on the upswing and free speech looks to become more imperiled than ever. Also, in the wake of the Georgia election, Joe Biden faces almost no limits on his policy agenda. We'll talk about all this and more during today's Independent Outlook. Thanks for joining us. I'm Graham Walker, and we're coming to you today from the Independent Institute in Oakland, California. As I remind you, sometimes we are literally right across the water, across the bay from San Francisco, uh, and uh, we're just a short hop from Silicon Valley as well. We're grateful for our partners at ThinkSpot.com for making this live stream possible with their help as well. Uh, Today, I am joined uh, by the founder and president of the Independent Institute, uh, David Thoreau. Welcome, David. Thank you. Great to be here. Always a pleasure to have David with us. He's been doing this for some 34 plus years and uh, he's got a lot of seasoning in his perspective. Also well-seasoned, my other colleague, uh, Dr. Williamson Evers. Uh, uh, Bill Evers is the uh, director of our Center on Educational Excellence here at Independent. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Bill. Thank you. And may your 2021 be better than last year. Absolutely right. Uh, well, I'm not sure that uh, initial signs are going to bear that out, but l- let's hope and let's <laughs> let's move in that direction. So, OK, um, I just want to pause for a moment here at the start uh, before we even try to talk about the fallout from last week's events in D.C. and uh, make it clear where we stand on the central issue of lawfulness. We at the Independent Institute do not believe in generalizations or in attributing group guilt. Individuals are the ones who do right or wrong. So, for example, um, last Wednesday, there may have been maybe 200,000 people, maybe more around the ellipse and then massed around the Capitol. Of those, maybe 2,000 forced their way into the Capitol. Of those, maybe 200 were violent to be determined. Um, But those violent persons should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And those who try to excuse their violence should shut their mouths. Now, our many fellows and researchers have a variety of views on many subjects, but we all have this one thing in common for sure. We all absolutely condemn and reject all those who forced their way in, ransacked offices, or resorted to violence in the U.S. Capitol. And listen carefully. Lawless, violent groups are no part of us, and we have no part with them. We don't even care if they happen to agree with us on this or that policy issue. We absolutely insist on the rule of law. We believe only in the power of ideas and never the power of violence. So while the Constitution stands, and it still does, battered though it may be, there is no place for political violence. We at the Independent Institute will never give aid and comfort to anybody who thinks such violence is okay. Okay, now, with that being said, um, let's talk about what we promised to talk about, which is to say the fallout um, Bill and David, from that confusing day. Unfortunately, um, one bad thing sometimes leads to another by way of reaction or overreaction. Uh, So let's talk about that. David, can you make some comments of what kind of reactions or overreactions you're seeing since last Wednesday? There's been a uh, call from certain quarters for uh, sort of a a mass deplatforming of people based on their views or cultural choices, um, sort of a, uh, a collective cancelization, a universal cancelization of people. And that's not in keeping with the, a constitutional republic. I mean, the reason why we're critical of people not being treated with dignity and respect and being free to speak and to act and so on is we don't want people to be treated as part of a group and then tr- not having their, their rights respected. It's sort of a tautology. So uh, there is, I think, a certain uh, McCarthyism that we're seeing, sort of a woke McCarthyism, and some people really sort of calling for a woke theocracy. Now, it hasn't started uh, as of recently. It's talk. It's, been, it's mostly it's, talk, except for yeah, some of this, the deplatforming. Right. It's been going on for a while, the cancel culture. We've seen it in universities. We've seen it in many other forums. ThinkSpot itself was started because Jordan Peterson was 
uh, censored on Patreon, and ThinkSpot was started as a platform for respectful but open discussion and debate. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the, the recent uh, things that we've seen uh, include uh, Megan McCain, uh, who's been quoted to say, to send all patriots to Guantanamo. Yikes. Uh, we've heard um, uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, essentially talking about uh, censoring people on a, a universal scale. Of course, most people heard about the deplatforming of Parler, uh, oh, Rumble. You know, there, here's another one, David, that I noticed. Um, uh, this guy, uh, what's his name, Rick Klein, who was the political director of ABC News, right. he's tweeting. He took it down, but he yes. tweeted the next day, you know, on the, the Thursday, he tweeted that getting rid of Trump is the easy part. Cleansing the movement he commands is going to be something else. Right. Now, this why is a, would the director of ABC News political department use the term cleansing? Well, there's a similar quote from uh, a top attorney at PBS. Now, fortunately, PBS fired him. Oh, um, but people like Tom Fitton was deplatformed on Twitter, Ron Paul on Facebook, Josh Hawley, his book from Simon & Schuster was canceled. Mm -hmm. The title of the book, by the way, is uh, The Tyranny of Big Tech. Um, there are people who, Schumer has talked about putting everybody who was in the Trump rally on a no-fly list. Mm. Um, there are calls for Giuliani, think he means Rudy Giuliani to be debarred, yeah. and John Eastman. There's a group of uh, professors at Chapman University who want him to be fired. Do, so, do you think that no-fly list thing, does he, does he really intend it to apply to all those who may have attended the Ellipse rally or the external to the Capitol rally, or does he really mean it only to imply those who breached the perimeter and went in? I it's wonder not what clear, he meant. but yeah, you know, not he's not clear, being not, specific. Yeah. But there is this, there is this uh, overreaction, again, not our point, the point that you're making, Graham, is that individuals be, should be held accountable for what they choose. Mm -hmm. And uh, as far as their actions and sort of sweeping generalizations is right. the opposite. It's sort of like, you know, it, somebody murders uh, somebody and then the solution is supposed to be to turn around and, and shoot everybody else who happens to be in the same community even. Right, and so if you're, if you're judging people based on race or gender or uh, political views or what have you, and you uh, as ascribe a certain um, uh, issue or problem to those people, even if they were not involved. I mean, for example, Parler, there's no evidence that anybody who was involved in the break-in of the Capitol had a Parler account. But there are many people on YouTube who had parlor accounts. So why is it YouTube being no, deplatformed? Mean, right? Many people who broke in who had YouTube accounts or Facebook yeah, accounts or, right. and, and discussed it on Twitter, Facebook, and... and right. So let's, let's let Sorry. Bill have a chance YouTube. to get in we on had this. one more thing. The, the uh, okay. person I was referring to at PBS um, is the um, uh, PBS attorney Michael Beller, and he called for... Uh, enlightenment camps, compulsory enlightenment oh, camps, that's like for the children to be taken away from their parents. Now, he was fired, yeah. fortunately, well, by PBS. Thank goodness. But this kind of uh, response is, is disturbing. Mm -hmm. It's a totalitarian response. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. Uh, there's a regular columnist for the New York Times, Michelle Goldberg, and she said, Oh, conservatives and libertarians, stop your whining. Mm -hmm. This was your utopia. This was a private property and a company deciding who would speak or not speak and who they would associate with. You're talking Twitter right now? No, uh, yes, but she's yeah. really talking in general about these. Mm -hmm. So this was in yesterday's New York Times, the print edition. And so she makes this argument. Of course, she goes on to say, well, I, I don't mean that you can really do what you want. You can't decline to bake a cake for somebody that you have a religious scruple about. Um, yeah. So uh, it's a very, 
one-sided way of interpreting property rights. But the problem is, are these true private property people or have they been uh, dragooned? Have they been, some, to some extent, perhaps they've wrapped themselves in military industrial complex contracts or mm -hmm. special government privileges of some sort? We can debate how much of that's going on. Uh, you know, a lot of companies contract with the government, but some are heavily dependent or heavily wrapped up in it. That would make them kind of state actors, I think. But it's even more the case, and there was a column in the Wall Street Journal by two uh, individuals that said, look, the courts have long held that something the government is forbidden to do, that is to, to block free speech and freedom of the press and freedom of association. They cannot force, threaten, dragoon, suborn a private actor to do it. The government it's unconstitutional. is different. Mm -hmm. And we have plenty of evidence. I mean, the most charming one was Jennifer Palmieri, who was comms director for the Hillary Clinton campaign and before that for the Obama White House, saying it's no accident that when the Democratic committees, it was clear that the Democrats were going to be in control of all the congressional committees, they suddenly, these companies decided to ban Trump and the conservatives, to ban Biden and the conservatives. And uh, this is a point that Glenn Greenwald on the left has made very explicitly, that, that AOC has been making threats, that other congressmen have been making threats along these lines. So these companies uh, are acting under a threat of regulation and possibly antitrust breakups. Facebook, but also now, now Amazon Web yes, Service Amazon, Systems. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We're talking about a constellation of these very large My, companies. Microsoft, others, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Again, um, I'm going to circle back to one little thing you hinted at a moment ago, Bill, by way of you know clarification. Um, this is maybe too simple a way of putting it, but oh. I know there got to be people wondering to themselves, if, if a baker in Colorado oh. uh, is free to decide whether or not to purvey a message that he doesn't agree with, um, why shouldn't Twitter and Facebook and so forth be free to decide whether or not to purvey a Trumpist message that they don't agree with? If he's if he doesn't have to put out speech he doesn't agree with, how come they have to put well, out speech? He does have to. <laughs> That's the liberals' opinion. That's the liberals' opinion. Yeah, right. But yeah. the difference is the baker is not funded by the government and under contract restrictions to abide by the government edicts. And essentially, what that means is that you can keep your agreement if you comply, and if if you can see that uh, this uh, contract arrangement and the regulations is also in your interest to um, be supportive politically, you will do that. I can hear it's people- It's not just making political contributions, it's essentially right. uh, maneuvering within what people would call the swamp itself and to use it against your competition, um, but you know, to be essentially a spokesperson for it. So the I think that's essentially what oh, we're saying. There's a classic anecdote that uh, Hugo Black, late Supreme Court Justice, used to make. He used to say, look, I'm, you know, I'm, an, absolute, say, I'm an absolute absolutist on freedom of the press and freedom of speech, but it's not freedom of the press to come on my lawn at midnight with a bullhorn and yell at me. Okay, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's private property. You should be able to decide. But what if the government is threatening you if you don't let people go on your lawn with a bullhorn and yell at you, we're going to take away your house. Well, it's not even that. What if the government's funding the the, uh, the lawn itself? Yeah, more deeply, more yeah. deeply. I mean, the right. baker... Very complicated. So we have to look at all these background details. Right. I mean, Microsoft has, uh, according to reports, um, this is from uh, Business Insider... Microsoft has over 5,000 government contracts. And most all these contracts are exclusive non-competing bid contracts. Oh. Uh, the, the controversy, for example, at Google, when there was a petition, uh, the employees didn't want Google to pursue this particular 
Facebook face recognition one. Right, yeah. artificial intelligence project. So Google withdrew, but then it turns out they actually did it anyway. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And uh, so, uh, I mean, Silicon Valley, in many respects, started going back to Fairchild, Hiller, and to other firms, including Hewlett Packard, have, have long been involved in large defense contracts mm -hmm. and, and intelligence agency deals. The difference now, though, is with the Patriot Act and other measures, these firms are obligated to share the information, to survey, surveil, surveil. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, and then uh, store the information, process it, and give it to these agencies. So essentially, these government agencies are contracting out with private firms, which enables them not to be held accountable mm. for the reasons that you're giving, mm -hmm. uh, but to do essentially the bidding. And so uh, where does the state begin and end? So, and so back I, I to think my... There's another thing that I think people might have misunderstood in this whole controversy. So there were big headlines, Angela Merkel denounces Twitter Yes. For silencing Trump. Right. Uh, this is not actually what she said. She said, instead of these companies making a decision, politicians like me mm. and like uh, Emmanuel Macron, because the French government said the same thing and the EU bureaucrats have said the same thing, we should have, Germany famously has very elaborate and detailed hate speech regulations. Mm -hmm. We should decide the companies should have no control over this at all. Mm -hmm. Only we all politicians government. and bureaucrats. Right, right. So, you know, I am a believer in freedom and I'm a believer in private property. And I don't favor that attitude. And I think the headlines about mm -hmm. that completely misconveyed mm -hmm. what she actually said. And well, the historical that, think, background there is pretty powerful because after World War II, the German Federal Republic launched into what they called the denazification project, which was in fact an attempt at ideological cleansing uh, of a right. very pernicious thing, you know, and they had to make the rest judgment, but it was a very much a governmentally controlled ideological right. cleansing project of the kind that the ABC News political director is c calling for. Yeah. Meanwhile, the, uh, the, the allies uh, essentially employed top Nazi scientists to develop all sorts of weaponry. And, but that's another whole story. And, and, anyway, took, over the, story. and took over right. the National Socialist government's right. Eastern European spy divisions. Exactly. Right. So, but Bruno Le Maire, who's the French finance minister, he was right. critical of Twitter, as was right. um, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, the president of of Mexico. But on exactly these lines that I was talking about. Right, so. but I'm trying to point out that there, there is this, I mean, the CIA contracts out all sorts of stuff, including covert operations. Does it mean that that covert operator um, is exempt from responsibility? I hope not. I mean, here's the thing. I, if I go back, if you permit me to go back to my very simple you know, comparison I was trying to make, the baker, the baker doesn't possess his wealth and his monopoly position in the cake market due to entanglement with government contracts or special protections from liability. Let's but say he's not, let's, I think it's better to assume he's not a monopolist since you can bake your own cake. He has no monopoly position, right? And he couldn't get it because the only way he can get it typically is by some special governmental favor. These right. companies are trying to pose as if you know, they're fully private decision makers. If they were, I would be way more sympathetic. But well, as David raises, points out, they're not. That raises another point, which is uh, Mark Zuckerberg, for example, um, has... Uh, testified, and he's indicated that he uh, would be in favor of regulation, right. um, of but he wants to be able to um, craft the regulations right. for his own benefit. And this, this goes and, back and to... So the very big companies are going to be... Let's say you said you've got to monitor every transaction on the internet that's a, a verbal speech of some sort, and certify that it's not hateful, something like that. Okay. These huge companies could do 
a fair amount of it. They mm -hmm. probably do it with algorithms of some sort. But a smaller company like Parler is not going to be in a position to do this. So it's yeah. going to lock in place these big companies in a monopoly position. So naturally, hey, if they can write the regulations, you know, they're quite comfortable and happy with this. And a number of economists who study regulatory issues have mm -hmm. pointed out that no wonder Facebook is saying, oh, please, yep. please throw right. me in the briar patch. <laughs> and this is the history of regulation. Yes. Uh, the, you know, the FCC and the FTC and, and Antitrust Sherman Act was these measures have been used in anti-competitive ways despite, right, the intent interests, right, right. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, Amazon built its second headquarters on the Potomac River. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they're right near key intelligence agencies. Um, and Google and Microsoft uh, has have built big facilities in the same, same area. Why? Because that's where the networking is and that's, that's where the money is. So uh, I think that we need to, in other words, the view that these tech companies are monopolies through some sort of free market process is baloney. Mm -hmm. They're subsidized, they have huge contracts that give them security. They can then lobby to get regulations to, to eliminate their competition. Uh, I didn't see any of these major companies object to Parler being deplatformed, for example. Well, get rid of a competitor. Right, and here's an upstart who is number one on the app store. Right. Uh, so you blend, you know, it's the old uh, That's a problem. But I'm hopeful. Is this is the old story that Bruce Yandel talked about. I'm hopeful, Graham, but there was a news story in the last week that the man who really founded the guiding original rules for the World Wide Web is seeing a, a new thing called pods where mm -hmm. you would keep all your personal, instead of the companies mining and retaining information mm -hmm. about you, you would keep it. And then right. you would make individual contracts with people right, right. to to make use of your data, but you would own it. And well, of that course, was the that, original... that would make a huge difference in these problems we're seeing. It might, it might, sure. new problems might arise, but yeah. that would be a very, very big step. So it's not obvious that we need some kind of government takeover or regulatory right. thing or something like that. It may be. If millions of people are dissatisfied with giving institutional arrangements, that the market is going to produce some alternatives and capital investment will see, hey, this is something the public wants. Right. But but my point simply is in the process right. to facilitate that. And since we're interested in the moral issue as well as the practical market mm -hmm. uh, comp comp competition argument is to cut these cut these companies loose from being able to be uh, bailed out by the government. Right. We're talking about essentially what is called corporatism. Right. Adam Smith wrote want, his book, we The Wealth of Nations. Privileges and stuff, right. So what Adam Smith wrote his book, The Wealth of Nations, as a critic of so-called mercantilism, which is government privileges to companies to have a legal monopoly and get subsidies and tariffs in their favor and so on. Right. And Smith's book was an attack on that. Exactly. And uh, I think that the the literature in economics about the nature of monopoly um, is gotten far stronger since then. Uh, so uh, I think that, that we need to be mindful of that. But we have to understand that, that if, if, you're, if the bulk or a significant part of your income is coming from government contracts, you're not going to alienate the people who are giving That's you the right. money. You're under their thumb. You're under so, the thumb. And so, if the culture supports a certain progressive narrative that, support, that enhances the idea of mass surveillance and deplatforming or what have you, mm -hmm. especially during a crisis time, they're going to do it. And that's so what we're saying. What's interesting about this whole discussion is that we're talking about this in the light of, you know, kind of a visceral overreaction or at least reaction to the horrible stuff done last week in D.C. And people are recoiling. And then these companies are like overreacting and deplatforming people. Yeah. Uh, what I think the implication of what both of you are saying is that uh, rather than more regulation of these high tech companies, uh, either to protect 
right-wing speech or to get rid of bad speech that the leftists don't like. Forget all that. Just take away the special privileges and protections That's of right. these big companies. Yeah. I also and think I also think we have to be. This is this is hard to really get your hands around analytically, but there is a kind of a mass hysteria that goes on sometimes in mm -hmm. history, mm -hmm. and. It just happens episodically. Uh, there are scholars who try to study it, but I don't really think they have their hands around it. And, you know, they have ideas about how it might spread from individuals and then to some group level and so forth. But, you know, we know about the reign of virtue and terror in revolutionary France. We know about we just know, we know about mobs. We know about even groups of school children can we be know about the psalm singing, by things like this. So. We know about the psalm singing armies who, under Cromwell, took over Parliament. That's we, right. we we know about the English Civil War of the sixteen forties, which <laughs> Graham was alluding to, where there was quite a lot of fanaticism, particularly on the Puritan side. Yeah, re religiously motivated fanaticism. Right, and yeah. there are opportunists who want to take advantage politically. Absolutely. Right. There so are, AOC, AOC wants to wants to create a commission to raid in conservative media. Yeah. Right. Right. And the Biden administration has talked about. Domestic terrorism literature. This is something the Wall Street Journal legislate domestic terrorism legislation aimed at the ideological right. Yes. This is something now, the Glenn, Wall Street Journal Glenn reported Greenwald, on and Glenn, Glenn Greenwald is very concerned about. Right, exactly. So we should so, all be concerned about. So Glenn has also pointed out uh, well, the uh, uh, Washington Post columnist Eugene Robinson wants Trump supporters reprogrammed. Yeah, Eugene Robinson, he wrote that, actually. Yeah. Right. And, and stunning. Uh, so uh, fortunately, uh, the ACLU has come to the support of people who are, are being censored. Um, the business leader, Patrick Byrne, has been in support of Shelby Steele. Shelby Steele's mm. new film called What Happened to Michael Brown um, is... Uh, uh, was Amazon at the last minute banned it, dropped it without notice. And so, but when Shelby talked to the Wall Street Journal, they editorialized on it and created a big public backlash and Amazon backed off. But how many Shelby Steels are there who have that right, kind of- big enough, right? Public. I mean, the thing is, I don't, I don't want a commission sponsored by AOC to, you know, rein in right-wing media, and I don't want a commission sponsored by Josh Hawley to rein right. in like left-wing right. social exactly. media attack. I don't want any of that reining in by the government. Right. I mean, the, the problem is that when some seriously bad stuff is done, there's gonna be some seriously significant reactions to it, and people right. are, are reacting. They're, they're not thinking of the implications of these things. And it's not uh, to say that you know no bad thing was done last week. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying that it is natural for there to be reactions, and it's hard to keep your balance among these competing things and all sorts of unintended consequences of state regulation. Right, so it goes back to one of, one of our books called Crisis and Leviathan by Robert mm -hmm. Higgs, mm -hmm. in which these crises occur, and they can be, they be wars and uh, recessions and panics and whatever. And many of them are real they crises. Can, they're really, yeah, and it could be a pandemic. It could be also but, but politicians are crisis opportunity crisis. <laughs> opportunist sort of political yeah. entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. They want to expand their power because right. they can then essentially give that to their supporters right. and stay in power and enhance it. And it's important that people are educated and sensitive to that. So if people have the view that the government is a benevolent and benign actor, uh, is smart, is godly or whatever, you've got a problem. But if people have uh, a, Sort of clear a, a clear-eyed view, clear-eyed, yeah. certain healthy skepticism, right. uh, in the spirit of Lord Acton's uh, saying about uh, power corrupts. America's founders had that good skepticism, uh, hence the restraint and dispersion of power of the republic. Yeah. And I think when we see a crisis like that, that's what we should be looking to advance and not let the crisis be used by actors 
to do the opposite. Right, and now I'm just about to turn the page to talk about another part of our agenda, but I, I'm getting an interesting uh, comment coming to us uh, through our thinkspot.com uh, partnership. Uh, one of our viewers is writing in saying, um, do you think that the reactions to the Capitol riot could empower the government to infringe on citizens' privacy a la post 9-11? And I think your answer, David, is yes. Yes, I think that's exactly right. We're seeing it already and you know the the there are different actors that are trying to sort of whip up hysteria and make claims that are not true and that that's that always happens that's the nature right. of these crises right uh so people need to be leery of that and not just go with the flow because it's it's uh it's easier um but people uh the part of the, the crisis that people are scared and others try to scare them more to stampede them in the wrong direction. Yeah, very common. Okay, so, um, you know, uh, everything about the Biden administration incoming is going to be in the shadow of the reactions to last week's event. That's, that's one interesting feature and doesn't portend well because people are reacting in sometimes unbalanced ways. Also, the Biden administration is coming into office um, after the Georgia elections, where the Democrats picked up both House seats and with uh, Vice President Kamala Harris's well, vote. Senate, Senate seats. Uh, sen sorry, so both Senate seats, that's meant, yeah. And with uh, Vice President Kamala Harris's tie-breaking vote, the Democrats now control the committees and the agenda of the Senate, as well, of course, as the House under Nancy Pelosi and now the presidency under J Joe Biden. Um, there are hardly any limits on what this consolidated uh party rule could bring. So let's talk about that a little bit. What would the Biden agenda likely to be without these limits that maybe we thought he would have, but he's not going to have many, many political limits? For example, okay, so Bill and I were talking about this earlier today. Can you talk to us, Bill, a little bit about executive orders? Now, during the Obama presidency, we heard a lot about how President Obama kept bypassing Congress and sending around executive orders. Well, President Trump did the same thing. Right. Um, I think Trump's probably had some policy benefits and Obama's had some policy detriments. But regardless, uh, Biden says he's going to undo Trump's executive orders. Can you talk about that? Well, there's a lot of different kinds of things that presidents can do without legislation. Uh, there are these executive orders. There are... Uh, limits. There are decisions about litigation or priorities of enforcement. There are rules. So there are bureaucracies, government agencies can issue rules that have notice and comment. And these rules are kind of locked in place, although a new administration can go through this notice and comment period. If we need to, we can go into what that means. There's guidance. There's just administrative actions. So like, let's say you're giving out grants and you assign points to different things. You could uh, guide policy in certain ways by the points uh, in this ideologically tendentious way somehow. So all these things go on and we have to watch out for them, we who are observing politics and policy. And there's all kinds of areas that, so, so we, we hear all the time about DACA so that's mm -hmm. young immigrants that came in when they were very young. We hear about the Paris Accords. Those are symbolic, crazy guidelines for you know emissions and what kind of fuel. Never ratified like as that. a treaty. Never. I... They're also recommendations, whatever they are. And a lot of the countries would be in a different status than the U.S. But anyway, so we hear about that. We hear about the ban on travel from terror-prone countries and they're going to you know let all the people from those countries come in now probably kind of dumb if they really do that but anyway they might so that, that we don't really have anything special to say that the average person couldn't see was wrong about that but there's other things they're yeah. going to reinstitute use of disparate impact so let's say uh that there's some activity where the rules even on their face look fair and reasonable and appropriate for something but it affects different races or different sexes in different ways 
So, uh, but maybe unintentionally. Yeah, Some... they don't have to be intentional or foreseen, uh, either one. So, uh, so in housing, Biden is talking about uh, imposing things on cities because of different disparate impact in the way they are now. And, uh, you know, I, they, they want to push public housing and things like that into places or low, low rent things and so forth. Uh, in student discipline in K-12, if, you know, let's say the, the Albanians are getting punished more than the uh, Turkmenistan people, thing like that, well, that's terrible. So they have to be punished an equal amount. Uh, wow! You know, really, micromanaging the bathrooms, the locker rooms, the women's sports of K twelve—they're going to be doing this. They've said they're going to be. Well, doing they began it. doing it under the Obama administration. Did it under the Obama administration? They some some of it they were just beginning. Right. Uh, and President Trump lifted some of that stuff. He lifted so it... a lot of these things. He allowed uh, states to. Uh, privatize some some things that like some medical systems and things like that he allowed people to buy slimmer medical packages than what the obama people had allowed he these things are gonna they're gonna go there he can reverse them he allowed telemedicine right uh, trump also, did mm -hmm. yeah right mm -hmm. and a lot of these things were just to remove blocks that existed exactly they were deregulatory in general right. yeah uh now biden has indicated you know, there's, well, let's put it this way it's a possibility that biden will eliminate the trump tariffs on steel so <laughs> here we are we're an ally we're like hand in glove with canada but you know steel from canada is socked with a heavy tariff so in so other words and President Biden, Biden might do something good on that. Yeah, score. he might do something good with one or two of these things, but basically he's going to reimpose regulations. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, in labor, for example, the Biden people allowed flexible hours ideas for companies so that you could work different amounts, different days, and you could. The Trump people allowed that. The I Trump, think. the Trump yeah. people yeah. allowed mm -hmm. that, right. and then. The Biden people have said they're going to reverse that and they're going to you know, impose very stringent overtime rules on companies uh, so that, you know, they're paying time and a half and so forth for anyway. The point the point is everywhere where the president tried to deregulate, they're going to try to re-regulate. Right. And uh, it refers to kangaroo courts on campus, college campuses. I was campuses wondering about for, the college campuses, yeah. For because... sexual assault accusations. Mm -hmm. It's it's up and down the, 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 the system on this. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of unfortunate it's stuff. Kind of stunning. One uh, uh, wrench in the, in the situation is uh, with the COVID-19 shutdown of schools, uh, parents have had to find other ways to provide education. Um, some of it is distance learning and so forth, but others have created these groups and uh, many of these parents don't wanna go back um, and they've had to adapt. So the ability of simply reimposing the teachers union K through 12 system on everybody again is gonna be more problematic and the unions don't want to have the teachers go back to work unless they get what they want. Now in Chicago, uh, to, to the Chicago school system's credit, the teachers don't want to go back to work, so they're not going to. They've just ruled they're not going to pay them. So oh, that is a wow. challenge to the union. Sure but in is. many other places, that's not the case. So either you have to make do with the children, of course, that you love, or. Uh, you know, they're not going to get educated. So instead of letting your children for a year or two years, whatever Fauci decides is, is the deal, uh, or Cuomo or Newsom and all these others, um, these parents have, have tried to find alternatives. So that's going to be a, uh, a roadblock to their simply reimposing the previous system 
interestingly enough, we have a book coming out uh, at the end of March called Really Good Schools, which is by James Tooley, um, who's the world's leading authority on school systems in developing countries. And basically he shows how uh, the poor and everybody else could have far better schools, far less costly schools by letting them be free. And if in the COVID-19 aftermath, people are used to not being subject to the teacher union monopoly, that may give it more uh, traction. So we'll see. It may well. A couple of other things that occurred to me. One is that uh, Trump allowed by executive action the states to make work requirements for Medicaid recipients. That's another thing that uh, Biden's going to get rid of. And the FCC, Biden has said that his Federal Communications Commission will reimpose net neutrality. Yes. So uh, uh, net mm-hmm. neutrality would impose on uh, people who are providing internet services that they can't have uh, special prices to do things faster or something like that. They have mm-hmm. to follow what the regulators want on this. So it, it will impede innovation and it will mean that the big companies are able to hang on to things because Dominate. new companies that That's might... Right have a differentiated, innovative service are not going to be allowed to do it. And all this, all this really reflects the, the narrative of, you know, of the political class uh, and the, so the progressive tradition that Washington is going to micromanage and run everything because they're the experts. And that view is exactly what prompted um, the Trump rebellion and you know, in many respects, Trump is just channeling this uh, opposition. This and yeah. uh, there are pre- many different previous uh, instances of channeling this. So uh, I suspect that the more they do this, it's going to cause problems for people. But since people have gotten to a certain point where they don't trust the elite knows what it's doing, or that the elite is on their side, it's going to lead to more disenchantment and people looking for alternatives. So I, I wanted to... Um, it's really almost like a karma that while these people push on this, they're going to actually create their opposition. Yeah, isn't that funny how that works? I mean, I was going to comment that um, in observing all the detailed ways in which uh, executive orders that President Trump put in place will be reversed or eliminated by President Biden, I don't think any of us means to say that uh, President Trump had uh, thought through all the important details of all these detailed policy-oriented uh, policy details and come up through his great wisdom with the best answer, whereas uh, President Biden is going to be thinking through all these details and with his great wisdom on every detail will pick the right thing. The, the reality is that both these presidents and prior presidents, they put in place people in the bureaucracy, the kind of people that David is talking about, whose judgment then um, is actually what makes the difference on all these matters. It's not like the president thinks about every little detail, but he does tend to put certain kind of people into place rather than others. And they reflect the constituents that right. want him in power right. and, and to essentially... And hope that that power serves them. Right, right. exactly. Yeah, so right. for example, um, we were, I noticed earlier that um, President Biden, uh, President-elect Biden, if that's the right term, um, is uh, indicated he's going to be nominating a woman named Kristen Clark to head the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. Um, <laughs> I don't know anything about her, but I think you do, Bill. Is that right? I do, and David does. She so this this is in the Justice Department. This is Civil Rights Division. She would have to be confirmed by Congress, so by the Senate. This is a uh, high-level senior executive service type of position, and they have to advise and consent on it. I think she has such extreme views. She has uh, David can go, David can go into some of her scientific views, but she's one of these critical race theory people. One of these all whites are bad, anti-whiteness. Whiteness should be outlawed and fought. Uh, and I I don't see fifty. Certainly, and I don't see 60 
senators supporting this. I think they, some of the more moderate Democrats, like from Montana or from West Virginia or something like that, they're not going to go for it. And maybe more. So I think that's a symbolic appointment. She could be, she could still be appointed to some position in their administration that where she could do equal amount of damage, but hasn't doesn't she, require confirmation. Hasn't she argued that there's a linkage between uh, uh, melanin content and skin color on the one hand and intelligence on the other? She has. That's she right. has. Yeah. And, uh, and the view is that me you know, melanin, there's melanin in your brain, melanin in your skin, uh, and so on, and different organs. And so uh, she draws on these uh, pseudoscientific studies that claim that uh, those who have higher levels of melanin are superior evolutionary. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they should be uh, encouraged and subsidized and given preferential treatment. Yeah. And uh, this is really, you know, it's, it's the old racialist view. Oh, it's it a, yeah, it's just right? in reverse. It's just as bad one way or the other. We recommend if any of our viewers are interested in all these related topics, Thomas Sowell has written yes. on this, and there's a prominent psychologist named Flynn who's written on it, mm -hmm. and they are pretty good sources, objective right. sources on this. We, there's no reason for us to dig into this, except to say this woman is a neo-racist, and she doesn't deserve a position of trust and responsibility. Right, and the, the book by Tom Sowell that people should get is his newest book called, well, not newest, uh, the latest book is on charter schools, but the one before that is called discrimination and disparities, and that'll it's, it's, a, it's a devastating critique of all this racialist stuff, and, and of uh, this disparate impact thing that I was just talking about. Absolutely, right. Yep. Why would President Biden choose a person like that with those kind of views? He doesn't seem to be a bad guy. He seems nice. Well, you know, there's a mixture, as I say in my article on Biden's education policy, between sort of the established special interests and the agitators. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They need the agitators to fire up their troops on their side, to discipline laggards and weak-kneed people, to do some of this platforming and mobbing and bullying and that sort of thing. They actually need them for ideas because the special interest establishment doesn't really have any ideas. They're just yeah. kind of filling out some gaps in Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal. So they, they so this is this appointment nomination because she hasn't really been confirmed. This is meant to be a symbolic nod and an empowerment of one of the agitators people. And that right. works politically. So this fits in with the reparations movement and clearly all, all sorts of other things. And it's not just that she uh, she wants to discriminate. She's worked with Harvard. <laughs> she wants to just. Uh, she wants Asians to be discriminated against and whites to be discriminated against, and so on. So, so it fits into this uh, uh, sixteen nineteen project view, um, but it, it's really it's it's basically crackpot. But it can be dangerous. It could be dangerous, right. and, but I think and very harmful forces, to everybody. The It'd be harmful if she were in there and doing stuff. But a yeah. debate on this on the Senate floor and serious hearings on this would actually be educational it for the American public and yeah. could advance common sense. Bill, why now, don't you mention the it, article it, that you wrote on this issue pertaining to education and right. other areas for people? Right. We'll, we'll post it on our subsequent video, but people need to know your, know your article. Thank you. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about it then. Well, first of all, I kind of have uh, an interest group analysis, and I say we have to be very hard-headed and clear-sighted and unflinching about what's going to happen. It's going to be serving the special interests and constituencies. That's what Biden's going to be doing. The policies he's advancing and the money he's pouring in are not going to really do any good in K-12 or in higher education for the students. They're really meant to help the administrators and the teachers and the teachers' unions and things like that, or to placate these agitators with their various dogmas of things. So we know that the incentive systems are horrible in K-12 education. 
teachers, of course, many of them have hearts of gold. Many of them are dedicated to helping children, mm -hmm. but they don't get rewarded if they do better at right. advancing the educational knowledge of children. They, they, it's all based on years and, you know, but one of the things that Biden wants to do is do this uh, debt cancellation, and that helps teachers who get extra money from having a master's degree. But we've studied whether having a master's degree improves the education of the children under the teacher, and it has no effect at all. So uh, all these things um, are meant to serve the established interests or to give a bone to the various agitators that have uh, dogmas, ideological dogmas about how their coercive utopia should operate. Yeah, One of right. our participants on ThinkSpot sent in this uh, comment or question asking, uh, what is your guess as to what radical progressive proposals Biden will run with and not run with? I think we've been answering that question yeah. for the last little think, bit here. I do think, you know, it's a very common thing for people to say, oh, politicians say these promises, but they never fulfill them. Well, I, I, I know a lot of people who have been, I've been myself fairly high in an administration, and I know plenty of people who have been higher. And every administration that I know of, going back to Richard Nixon, they've had at least one person in the administration who does nothing but catalog all the promises the president make, made or make, makes, and then whether they fulfill them. And they often put out some sort of booklet end of the administration yeah, saying right. how wonderful mm -hmm. they were and did all these exact <laughs> things. And you've heard Trump say many times, oh, promise yeah. made, promise kept. Mm -hmm. So it, it's so. what should you expect? A lot of it is going to be what he said on the campaign trail and what Harris said on the campaign trail. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that they can do it through executive action, they, they will. will almost yeah. certainly do it unless the courts block it. So like the kangaroo courts and colleges to handle sexual assault cases, the courts are pushing back on that. I think yeah. he's going to have a lot of problem doing that. I think so too. But almost all these other things we've been mentioning, they're going to do. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they're going to try and do it in the legislature. And the fact that they have a, you know, this narrow majority in both houses, some of it will get through. You know, this mm -hmm. <laughs> big spending for no decent purpose will go. Oh, yeah. well, that's always popular. Both, Everyone loves both, that. Yeah. <laughs> Infrastructure, <laughs> bridge to no, a lot of bridges to nowhere. Yeah, I hope uh, there's a lot of shovel-ready projects and stuff. Slalindras <laughs> are going to happen. Now, some other things will not make it because they won't be able to get a majority or a supermajority. You know, this also depends on the rules whether they have a filibuster and so forth. They can put things in the budget that doesn't go through the filibuster process. There, there's a lot of tricky procedural things that they can do. The courts are have a lot of people who are very serious about the Constitution. And so that will also provide something of a check. That's true. I don't mm -hmm. think they're going to have enough votes to pack the Supreme Court. I agree. Or to... You know, they'll appoint to vacancies and like Harry Reid and like McConnell, they'll put in their appointees. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think still there's a large residual of good people in the court system. Yeah, there are. Okay, how about this one, one very uh, provocative thing Joe Biden said, uh, we will defeat the NRA. Any comments from either of you about the fate of Second Amendment liberties under a Biden administration? There are more guns owned privately in the U.S. than ever. And they may well try to think, uh, push this. I think the Supreme Court will uh, not uphold it. Yeah. Uh, but I think they can do a lot of harm and a lot of people will be right. uh, pushed around. Uh, I think another part of this issue of, of what Biden might do is on foreign policy. It's huge. Yeah. Um, we, we mentioned about tariffs, but there's also the Mideast and China and, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So I think the, the uh, and this relates to the uh, Chinese Communist Party's treatment 
of um, some of these business leaders in China. Uh, and uh, so, again, what I was saying before was that the more Biden pushes things to the average person that are questionable, certainly threatening, but don't uh, have the moral high litmus test, uh, I think they're going to be having trouble in, in 2022. Mm -hmm. I think the, the Democrats could easily lose the House then uh, and the, the Senate too um, if they push any of these measures too far. Yeah. So they seem to be putting in mainstream liberal foreign policy interventionist right. side of people. So on sort the, of around Hillary Clinton, mm -hmm. you know, when she was Secretary yeah. of State. Now, you know, it could be worse. Uh, it, it's still plenty of room for endless wars, but you know, it's it's people that we know about, so they're going to be somewhat predictable. We can't predict events outside our country, and right. so that can often lead to these opportunities that people take advantage of that want to do policy, something glorious or advance right. their interests. Mm. Yep. The domestic policy appointees uh, worry me more than uh, the foreign policy appointees in some respects. I think uh, that's right. I think unless that's something right. dreadful happens overseas. So what's President Biden going to do, for example, with the increasingly belligerent efforts uh, from China? And where is Jack Ma? Anybody know, Bill? Nobody knows where Jack Ma is. There, there's been excellent material on this in the Wall Street Journal editorial page, yep. on the Financial Times of London editorial page. American Institute for Economic Research has been doing good work on Would this. Would you remind those of us who don't know all the details a little, just uh, Jack Ma? Well, so, 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 David, why don't you say a little bit about him? Well, I mean, Jack Ma was criticizing the regulations, uh, I believe, in the banking uh, yeah. at this con was in conference in November, yeah. and they came down hard, and he just disappeared. Right. So he's the man behind Alibaba and right. Ant. Oh, right. Yes. And he's a huge businessman, one of the biggest in the world. Yep. And sort of not as active as he was when he was younger, but he... So he, he, in a sense, has done some things that are kind of an end run around the banking system in China, which had gotten quite sclerotic and politically controlled. Uh, you know, it's a communist-ruled country, so we yeah. shouldn't really be surprised that there are political interference in, in banking. But uh, he tried to do some things that were kind of an end run around that, and then he kind of made fun of how incompetent and inadequate the banking system was and the central bank was in China. Mm -hmm. And Chairman Xi, it doesn't take criticism very lightly. He right. is a crackdown type person. And this kind of threatens the hegemony of the party. And we don't know whether he's detained or whether he's just lying low, hoping that some of this will blow over. Well, it's not, ju it's not just him. It's That's uh, right. Ren Ziquan. Um, uh, the, the property mogul, it's Wu, I guess it's Yahui of the NBank Insurance Group. Yes. Um, there's just a whole number of these. Uh, and, and not to mention the journalists who tried to report on the Wuhan That's right. uh, outbreak of COVID-19. Exactly. And not to mention yep. heavy crackdown in Hong Kong. Yeah, so Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Lai, Lai being in and out of jail. Right. So Jimmy uh, Lai 50 came. 50 or so politicians being arrested. Right. So Jimmy Lai was smuggled out of mainland China at the age of 12. And um, he built a clothing uh, store empire and then newspapers and media conglomerates. Uh, and he's a very pro-liberty, he's very outspoken. Uh, so they're cracking down on him as they are as part of the uh, so-called national security uh, absorption of Hong Kong. Um, and I think this also raises questions within the Biden group. Biden um, and many of the other key Democrats have very close ties with the Chinese and the Chinese Communist Party in particular. And the whole Hunter Biden issue uh, is part of this. 
So how much credibility they're going to have if they just go along with this. Mm -hmm. uh, again, this is going to reflect on the public's perception as well. Right. And, uh, but I suspect that the purveyors of these policies, sort of swappish policies, don't have, you know, they, they certainly don't have perfect information. Right. And they're going to misjudge. And they're right. going to do it over and over again. And it's going to create backlash. I have a thought that it's quite possible, well, you know, who can predict the future, but we've already seen some of this, that Biden, because of his fear that he is perceived as bought and sold by Chinese, mm -hmm. ah. will instead be belligerent and overreactive. Mm -hmm. So we saw with relation to uh, some islet activity in the South China Sea that he was extremely hostile and belligerent about it. Mm -hmm. And he's been very tough, he and his people talking about Hong Kong. And very unlike the Biden of only a few years ago. Yeah. So, you know, these politicians, I mean, the most fun, the funniest thing, <laughs> flip, flip flop, is now Governor Cuomo in New York is saying we have to completely open up the economy after he's been the, one of the worst lockdown people in the whole country. Well, if, if so if these guys are perfectly capable of flipping. If, New, if Governor Newsom in California had any common sense and not just sort of in his bubble and catering to uh, those putting, uh, keeping him in office and so on, if he really had any common sense, he would do the same thing in California because yeah. th there's this uh, recall effort underway. It's already have, has right. over a million signatures. Which it's is a easily lot. going to get what they need. And yeah. if you look at the, the fires and the shutdown and the water problems and the shutdown of the schools and the unemployment, uh, you know, he, and, and the unemployment relief scandal. Yes, where absolutely. Yeah. One of the biggest embezzlements mm -hmm. in human history exactly. took place. Right. Where prisoners were <laughs> siphoning off thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. So this is one of the problems with socialism is that the people yeah. at the top don't know what's going on. And they can't know what's going on, and so they keep on making bad decisions. Because there's too much going on governmentally. There's too much going on, and uh, so it's really a, it's a competition of, in the culture of ideas, that uh, and people being having access to narratives that better explain the situation that they can use to interpret and take action that will affect the future. Uh, you know, I, I can't resist the opportunity to, to point out here that those of us who live in California uh, have a lot of experience now with um, unified one-party government of all the branches. Um, we've got, for a long time here, a one-party controlling the legislature and the governorship and the courts, um, and the results are not always pretty. Um, I just point your attention to this great article uh, by our senior analyst, Mary Thoreau, California provides a peek at what's ahead. Uh, and it's very much worth going to uh, independent.org and looking at this piece to see the uh, implications of consolidated one-party rule in a very large state like California. Um, it's not always a, a good idea. Um, I think uh, the founders of um, the republic that we live in overall were aware that consolidated power was always dangerous. At least it's still broken up to some degree in America, but we, we, all, we need these mechanisms that limit and baffle and put power holders in competition with one another. I mean, you yep. know, Xi Jinping uh, does not operate under constraints the way all of our leaders do. And, you mm -hmm. know, thank goodness for that. We've got a constitutional system that does not make it easy mm -hmm. for a comprehensive program of control to be implemented. And let's resist anybody who tries to implement a comprehensive right. program of social control. And that's a concern control. I think more and more people have now with this uh, deplatforming and calls for universal uh, censorship and so forth. I mean, and I think as, as that continues to be digested, uh, people are going to be uh, less and less uh, prone to be uh, sort of t swept away in some crazy crusade. Let's just hope that's the case. Yeah, indeed. And uh, the reason that the Independent Institute exists is to demonstrate the power of ideas um, and to give the resources in the realm of ideas and evidence 
uh, to enable citizens to make reasoned judgments uh, to protect their liberties. And so we invite everybody uh, not only to keep uh, hanging out with us here every couple of weeks when we talk about the affairs of the day, but also to visit our website, independent.org, for more resources. Uh, we have some fabulous books coming out soon having to devote with the social safety net uh, and with climate policy and with education policy and a lot of other great things. Um, uh, thank you, David, for getting this show on the road, which produces so much good material for the informed citizen. Well, thank you all. Yeah. And Bill, thank you very much for joining us uh, with your thank commentary. You. We really and appreciate it. Thank you for it. ThinkSpot and everybody who's joined with us. Indeed, yeah. Thank you to our friends there. And just to kind of uh, reiterate where we started, um, we encourage you to uh, stand with us for the rule of law and against violence in any form, no matter what rationalization is given for it. And instead, um, sustain liberty through wisdom. Okay, that's kind of my, my summary for the day. Thanks, both of you. Thanks for our friends. Take care.